Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. where my lesson was on um, uh, the series is Parable of Kingdom Truths and today is my part in the kingdom of God dealing with talents and with us talents has changed really in meaning but what it means it's a, a unit of money in this parable and I just couldn't help but think, and this happened over uh, 43 years ago, and I'm sure I've told you about this, but uh, the lesson I learned is when you're dating, don't never excuse yourself and leave your, what would be your wife with your friend. So we're, we are eating, and, um, and, and by the way, my wife is still waiting on this somewhat of a prophecy to be fulfilled, but we was at a restaurant, and... I had stepped away for a second, and while I was gone, uh, what I thought was my friend was uh, telling uh, Sister Rayleigh, uh, you don't know who you with. And she's like, and she doesn't know what to say, so she just says, I'm with Kenneth. Oh, no, no, he's Cash Rayleigh. And you really didn't know that he was Cash Rayleigh, you know, and he just lays it out thick, you know. And then when we're leaving, she tells me, and I thought, <laughs> oh, man, I'll never go out to eat with him again. So, but she's still waiting on that to be fulfilled. But uh, anyway, and obviously enough, I hadn't went out to eat with him <laughs> since that day, and that's the truth. But anyway, uh, but believe it or not, I don't hold it against him uh, I'm just still trying to get over it. But anyway, the kingdom, uh, my part in the kingdom of God, we all have a part. Um, the thing of it is, we're going to look at the talents and where this, uh, the ruler of the house gave people different talents. Um, the key verse is, or the key verses are tw Matthew 25, I read 14 and 15. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called for his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Now, I just want you to skip back with me to Matthew 13. Um, I just want to read a few highlights of this chapter. There's a lot of parables. I think there's seven in the 13th, but I'm just going to read the disciples is asking some questions in the 13th chapter. So let's just read, starting at the 13th. Um, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, 
so that he went into his ship and set, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables. So he is talking, I imagine if there was any uh, scribes or Pharisees, they're ticked off because he's teaching, not in the synagogue, he's teaching here by the sea. And so he goes out, and I want to skip down to verse 10. And the disciples came to him and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to them it is not given. Now, anytime we read in the Bible where answers like this is given, I don't believe that the Bible is trying to be harsh. It is just saying that this is his, his own disciples asking him, why, what's all this language? Why are you trying to get to a truth by simply going around something? And God said, no, that's not the point. There is a point in the parable. They don't know because they're not going to look for it. It's given unto you to know the answer. But I still, this is me, I still don't feel that though we have the Spirit of God, that God's just going to open it up and it's going to fall in our lap. The Bible still says you have to hunger and thirst after righteousness. But the answer is given, is given unto you. You can get the answer, but they're not going to get the answer. They don't have the spirit of God. And I believe this, give it unto us because we have the spirit of Christ. We have the Holy Ghost. It's going to give us the answer. And they're just wondering, why are you talking to them? Because really, the world, he is saying, they don't care. They just here for the fishes and the loaves. I know you're not. You're here for the reason. So I'm going to talk in parables because they don't really want what I'm saying anyway. There is a message within the message. I know you can get it. They're not going to get it, but I know you will. So he's just telling them that. Verse 12. But whosoever hath, <clears throat> to him it shall be given, and he shall have more in abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him it shall be taken away, even that which he hath. That's just, that's just not a bunch of words. We know that we see that at the end of this story for the one that lost his. He had, but God said, take it from him. Everybody is going to have. And then that if you do not use that which you have, it's going to be taken and given to the one that hath. Uh, so he can have more. That's what the Bible is talking about. Verse 13, it says, Therefore I speak unto them in parables, because they seeing see not, hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. other words, God is saying, I'm going to speak to the ones that have a hunger. God knows our thoughts and the intent of the heart. We're just human. We come to church. It, it is just good that nobody knows how many, how many times our minds may drift while we're in church. We're just human. We come in here, but God does know the thought and the intent. He knows what we're really yearning for, what we come looking for. If He knows if I come in here and you know what? Brother Boyd, Sister Boyd's here. They sit on the front seat. You know what? They're going to see me. My time's done. God's going to know. But God's also going to know if God, I come to the house. It doesn't matter who's standing here. I got a yearning for something to be said. And if it's not said, it's still my responsibility to get it. Because God can speak to me and speak to everybody else at the same time. So I can't go home thinking, well, I didn't get nothing. 
because I wasn't looking for something. I wasn't searching for nothing. And it may be, it may be in the parable sense that I get. You know, he may be preaching on, on something and I may be 180 degrees the other way and God speak to me. And somebody saying, well, I, I, I don't get it. Really? God said, seeing they see not, hearing they hear not. It's there. It is there. And God said, that's why I speak in parables. Because the ones that has not and do not want it, they're just not going to get it. But God said to the ones that will come looking and searching and the ones that has a hunger in their heart, them, them I will feed. Them and them only, basically, with them I will feed. So that's what he says. And I'm telling you, this is a verse. Not that haunts me, it humbles me. Verse 17 for verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men has desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. A lot of the Old Testaments have heard that Messiah is going to come. He's going to come. And here you are touching elbows with him. You don't know how many righteous men, how many prophets has just longed to see the day, longed to see the day, just like the, the people in Egypt, it says that somebody's going to come get us. And if I, your eyes don't see it, bury him and then steal in the next one. There's one coming. So just like with Jesus, God is going to come visit us. And therefore, there has many that's longed to see the day. And you are the ones that's going to see this. You're the one looking at this point. So he said, many, many righteous then has desired to see this. So God is saying, I speak to them in parables. That is why. And what we're going to look at is a parable. And it's called the parable of the talents. So he takes, he does this, he goes. And parable just literally means to place beside. As we would say, if you had a graph you put up, and this is what I'm going to compare it, is with another one. Basically, it's taking two Two and just comparing them. That's what a parable is. It's really, a parable really does two things. It reveals the truth and it conceals the truth. And it all depends on the condition of your heart, whether you get it or not. I promise you. I promise you. It depends on the individual. Now, God is there. He is there to, to reveal himself to us. And he will. He will. Now, he takes, he goes in the, in the parable of the talents of 25. The master, he comes out, he takes three of his employees. And when he had found them, he reaches into one bag. He gets out the three talents and he takes and he gives one the three. And what is unique about this is one talent is worth 20 years of salary. So we're talking about a lot of money. So he takes, he gives the, the, the three talents to the one. But the thing to remember in this parable is all the talents belong to the master. The individuals, the servants, they didn't get to request how much each talent uh, was or how much they got. The master of the house did all that. So he gave and he took and he lifted out the talents. And so here it is. He listed out five talents and handed them the first service to his first servant. But get this. He just trusted that servant enough 
with a hundred years worth of salary. And he, uh, he just read it a while ago. To whom much is given, much is required. And we read that and, you know, we think that is a truth. That's an alarming truth. But here's the thing. Nobody knows how much talent we have. And for good reason. The, the purpose of the talents was there for a reason. The number, the uh, other words, the number there, it was not, the number of the talents is for a purpose in the parable. I can say it like that. And it's not to be used as a pattern in the church. We can't walk around and say, I'm a number two, or I'm a number one, or he's a number five. We can't do that. We're comparing ourselves among ourselves. Paul said not to do that. You can't do that. Only the, the master of the house did that. No one else knew how many talents each one had. So they gave this up. He gave the, the other one two. And then he gave the other one one. And they, it ain't like they could go like, man, I got a lot of money. Uh, I'm fixing to go spend this. They could not forget that was not their money. The boss had just given them that much money. So therefore, they had to guard that which had been entrusted to them. They had a lot of money. And then, clearly, it represents the Lord. So, it, it, this, the, the master of the house represents the Lord. He gives us gifts. Now, we do not... In other words, we have this. All the gifts God gives us, whether they be... Gifts to sing, worship, uh, teach, uh, administer, make friends, make money, work with our hands, our minds. Everything belongs to God. Literally everything we do belongs to God. Everything he has given us, houses, vehicle, clothes, food, everything belongs to God. Even before he give it to us, it belongs to God. And if we can keep that in perspective, everything should be used for God's glory. So when he gave the, the, the servants this income, if they apparently looked at it that way, like this is not my money. The only reason he entrusted me with this money was to earn, earn him a return on his investment. So that's which uh, they did. So he put on these uh, individuals that he looked at as servants. He called them servants. All this really, and it's for all humanity, but Jesus only spoke this to his disciples. There was uh, people there and they were spending time and he expected a return on his investment in this parable. It was clearly stated. And he had received five talents. He went and traded with the same and he made five other talents. And the first servant was savior than the most. In other words, as a Bible going along with this um, parable, I guess he wore fancy suits. He died with the best. He just went out. He knew how to just do it. He had the financial mind to do it. He just went. He took and just went out and he invested right. Everything clicked his way and he made five more. So when the master come back, he had this literally 10 talents, which was nearly 200 years worth of wages. The second servant was different. In other words, he was different. He wore work boots. He was just like of the what we would call the blue collar. So he just went out. He had calloused hands. He had the work boots. 
He knew what seeds to plant. He knew when to harvest. He knew how to do this. He carried his talents into town and bought as many seeds as he could buy to re- make that return on his um, owner's uh, talents. So he came, he planted, and but Jesus did not paint the two-talent man as bitter. He did everything he could, and which he did, he made also two talents. The third servant, he stood and watched his friends run into the marketplace to make more money. Surely he could invest something to make his master's money with one talent. He did something to invest his master's money, but he, he could have, but he was no risk taker. He just carried an umbrella even on cloudless days, and he drew in greater detail. Jesus drew this servant into greater detail than the first two. Just ordinary people doing ordinary jobs. Abraham Lincoln said it this way, God must love the common people because he made so many of them. <laughs> Rather than run, in, run into town, he walked into the shed, found a shovel, and dug a deep hole and buried enough for his talent. He may not have gained, but he did not lose it either. Surely his master would be satisfied to get all the money that he gave to him and uh, whatever he gave. Some may read this story and do say their master loved the five talent more than the one, but that is not the case because the master gave out according to their several ability. So then he didn't understand that the first servant, um, in other words, Jesus did it like this. I'll say it like this. He didn't give to the first a little by just wearing him out because he had so much energy. And he didn't give to the second one uh, um, more than he should have by stressing him out. He gave according to their ability. Everyone's different. You know, if he would have gave to the five-talent man, if he would have gave two talents, well, he would have had two talents more and been scratching his hair out because he's got so much energy. I need something to do. What else can I do? And to the two talent, if he'd have gave five talents, well, he'd have just had a meltdown on the porch. I can't, there's no way I can, I, I can produce five talents. Only Jesus truly knows what we can do. And God, and, and sometimes we say within ourselves, I can't do this. Man, I'm telling you, we, me, we have to be careful of that statement because God truly knows us, loves us, died for us. And when we get to that point that really feel like God has given us more than we can handle, first thing I would say is repent. And then say, God, thank you because when no one else knows me, you do. And so the man that took and went and dug the hole, whatever it may be in the parable, and buried his talent thinking, God won't be mad at me because the money he gave me, I still possess. And then it, it, was, just, it was just wrong because the other two had doubled theirs. And I don't think that we, that's why I've always been a numbers man, but not now. Not in this parable. Do not be a numbers man because we can't, we, we cannot get in that position here because it's only God that knows what we're capable of and we can't compare ourselves among ourselves. 
That's why God knows us, and then He knows the capabilities of us. And it's like the old, um, where did I hear? Uh, I know I heard it at church somewhere about the the man got the badge for, for being the most humble man. And they had to take it away from him uh, the next service because he wore it to church. You know, um, it can't be like, you know, I'm a five talent and you wear a hat that says I'm a five talent man. You know, we can't do that. God knows us. He knows what we're capable of. And that is the good thing about it. What he has given us, the talents he has given us, we should not. And if we feel ourselves literally going over the edge, as we would say, it's probably us, you know, going to Brother Boyd, you know, hey, <laughs> whatever's available, I am realizing within ourselves, I can't do this. <laughs> uh, do you, uh, this is him, do you really feel like you're called to do this? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you know, and, but God, if what God has truly called us to do, he has equipped us to do, and then we have to be careful and then watch and stay in the calling whereas we have been called. Because He will equip us, strengthen us, give us what we need, the patience. And, you know, if somebody is called to do it in one certain area, and then you call them and put them in something else, miserable is going to be the outcome. And, but this is, just, this is just being and having, just being faithful in the talents for the kingdom of God. And really, when you take talent all the way back to the, uh, to the Old Testament, it really represented a balance. Like if you remember, that if you have a balance with it swinging, it really represented a balance. So I believe that, and we have likened it, it, it really meant a weight. And so we have likened it to talents, abilities, and all of that. But I really believe that you can bring talents to this. It's to balance things out. With God. And God has a way that only God can do that. He can balance it out. What we desire, what we hope, what we love. That, you know, you can't do that. Well, if God has given you the ability to do that, by all means you can do that. Because God can balance it out. And He can. Now, we have the talent. There's some that can do anything uh, it seems like whatever they has called them to do, God bless them. Bless them. You know, and if somebody is, is truly just chomping at the bits, the last thing I want to do, the last thing Kenneth wants to do is try to hinder their spirit. I'm telling you, I'm not, I don't want to be the person that's trying to hold somebody if they are so enthused and just go get them and just cause I'm not that way. No, encourage them. Say, go, go after it, go, you know, and, and not be the one like, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't really feel that way. You know, all the, all the limelight's on them. If God is for them and he's with them, then who am I to try to hold them back? No, no, no. God bless them, bless them. And then it's not where we would try to label ourselves on what talent we are in the kingdom. I don't think we should get into that. I think we should, we basically know where God has placed us. We mature enough to know, serve in that capacity, and then not, I'm, I'm not saying be, be settled. 
and just, you know, I'm called to do this and that's it. No, you won't find that in the Bible. But I'm saying move on in the place that God has positioned us and then, and then just go. And it's just like, like the parables. You know, every time there's something that comes up, God will give us the ability to understand it. You know, go and search. And the Bible says it like this. They have a quote from James. Every good and perfect gift cometh from above. Uh, every good and perfect gift is from above and coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variables, neither shadow of turning. Now, I truly love that verse. Let me see if I can get to. And the principle of this parable, every gift that comes from God should be used to glorify God and bless his kingdom. Now, uh, do every good and perfect gift, and the part in that that I like, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now, we can have, NASA can have all of their precision about how everything, and NASA truly fascinates me. I just love the concept of time and when you get in on how, how just close they can get everything. You remember the Hubble? <laughs> Them old boys got ridiculed bad. <laughs> when they sent Hubble up and it started sending back pictures that was fuzzy. You remember? Okay. It says, with the Lord, there's no variables, no shadow of turning. There's no variable in this. Okay. The reason I mentioned the Hubble is because all the mirrors didn't focus to the same focal point. But it was only off. Less than one-fiftieth of a human hair. That's all it was of. One-fiftieth less than one-fiftieth of a human hair. And I mean, they got treated cruel. <laughs> and that's... But when it gets in space, I mean, cut your hair in 50 pieces. It was even less than that. But... That's the best we can do. And I mean, when everything went to the same focal point, you got blurry pictures. Pictures, And I'm thinking, my goodness, give these guys a break. But with God, there's no shadow of turning. There is no variableness. And I'm thinking they corrected that. You know, they, they, I'll just leave it at that. It was cruel to them. But... With God, you don't never have to worry. I mean, He is constant. Times has changed. People change, I guess. Standards change. But God don't change. He has stayed the same forever and ever. You know, He is the same. Now, if ever tell it, that's, that's what I've always said, ever tell it, you know, wherever, if, if, if God has given you a, uh, a gift of working on vehicles, you know, you might need to stay away from the computers. It, it's just simple stuff. You know, God has given you to, uh, a gift to cook, then cook. You know, it's just all kind of gifts. Wherever you are gifted in, you can find your place in the church. You know, you can find it. But the thing of it is, the master of the house come out, he gave the talents, 
And in this parable, he was gone. He just left. And they're just standing there basically, what do I do now? So they went, they invested, the one buried it. His master was away for a while. And then without warning, the master's here. So he came, they wanted to see. And then he took and he, he's back. It's easier to keep the sun from shining than to keep the first servant from smiling because he was so happy. He had gained five talents. Who wouldn't smile? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now this is my point on that. He has got all this money that means so much to this servant. And the Lord responds, you've been faithful over a few things. We literally have to watch how much we let earthen things affect us. You've been faithful over a few things. And we can let a few things drive us in the ground. Now, I'm not taking away from the parable. But we have to watch the way the Lord words this. You've been faithful over a few things. The second one stepped up. He's a one probably covered in dirt and soil with his two talents in each hand. And just like the first, he says, you've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The master didn't scold the second servant because he didn't get as many as the first. It was the same. It was the same. Now, he took, but our third friend Trusted in himself and himself alone. He buried his talent and did nothing to bless his boss. And then, and then I, you know, I'll just liken it to this. Maybe, maybe what we can take from this parable, we're made from earth. And I just said it like this. Maybe the, the, the talent was just hid within himself. He just buried that talent within himself. And I will liken it to if God has blessed us, we're baptized, we take on his name, receive the Holy Ghost, and we take that experience and do nothing with it. We just bury that experience within our flesh. We do nothing with it. So, and he said, why didn't you take this talent to the bank where it would draw some interest? And then the master acted in a way that many might seem unfair. He commanded Take that one talent from him and give it to the talent who hath ten. For unto everyone that is for everyone that has shall be given, then he shall have an abundance. But but from him that hath not it shall be taken away even that which he has. Now we understand that sentence. That statement makes more sense because the one that had one is being taken. He had, he had it. Make no mistake about it. God said, take it from him and give it to the one that has ten so that he may have an abundance. And then he says, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gashing and gnashing of teeth. Now, it is not what, it is not what we have or even how much we have. It is what we do with what we have. And so that's why I say... It's not, 
it's not to go around, you know, like, where, where are you at in, in the kingdom? How many talents do you have? No, no. God has blessed us. And, and don't try to figure, your, you know, I'm a one, two, or a five. That's, that's not the point. Don't, that's why I say don't get in numbers on this. Be who you are in the kingdom. And I just want to say this. This Bible, this Bible was written and it had some hard, hard sayings in it. Now, where Jesus tells him, and cast the unprofitable service into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is to the one that had. Now, I won't try to explain that, but this is what I feel about it to a point. The Bible wasn't written to make us feel better. It's not a book on philosophy. It's not written in a philosophical way. I've heard people, well, the Bible's just too hard. The Bible was written so that we could defeat the enemy, so that we could bring glory to God, so that we could praise Him with the ultimate benefit of living life in heaven. It is not to just cuddle us and make us feel fuzzy and warm inside. It is to get us to heaven. And those that just want to be warm and cuddle, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be callous here. There is some hard sayings in this book. But the hard sayings is a benefit for the child of God. I want to go to heaven. I just don't want to be just sleep rocked in the pew. And the hard sayings is to get us to heaven. In, all right, I'll do a parable here. <laughs> I've always loved motocross action. I've got it. Me and Joy's been married 43 years. I've got it most of the 43 years. I have read time and time again of people write in, complain. You people don't know what you're doing. You're too hard on the bikes. Okay. It's moto cross action. Once again, they'll tell them, look, we write for one purpose. That is for a race bike that's going to be used in motor cross. We don't ride to people, which would refer to me, they just get out and ride occasionally. That is not what it's for. To the individual that goes out and puts $10,000 on a bike that you're going to ride uh, in the dirt, they are going to be best equipped. They're going to have the most knowledge. They're going to know what they're spending their money for. They're not about the weekend warrior. That's what they're not about. They're about to inform you with the most knowledge they have. And therefore, they don't apologize. They're all about motocross. And the Bible is the same way. They're not about just coming to church Sunday and Wednesday and just, oh, you're doing great. You know, the devil's never going to bother you as long as you go to an apostolic church. That is not the case. The case is you're going to have to fight. This Bible is truth. Everything in here is truth. And the devil is uproar now more than he ever has been. But. With God and everything that we know towards Him, there's nothing that can defeat us. We're stronger than Him through the apostolic faith and God's Word and everything that we know. So, and I'll just end with this. Um, where the one 
And I really thought about this, and I know it's a parable, but this is what I feel in the Lord. Where the, where the Bible told him, where the Bible told the one-talent individual this, it said, um, let me see if I can find it real quick. Where he said, um, okay, that artist, it's in Matthew 25, 27. Thou oughtest therefore have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. God is telling the one, at least you could have put my money in the bank, therefore I could have received an investment. But yet you chose not to. And, and man, I'm just trying to think, what could I answer that with? What is the bank? And in in this and this I know you got to be careful with dealing with parables because it's a parable. There's a truth there, but I do I do and I mean that I believe you have to be careful with parables. But this this is what I feel in the Lord to answer that you could have leased okay to the man that had one, and it's the last words of our God. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And this is it. And ye shall be witnesses. An individual that comes in, receives, or other words, takes and repents, takes his name in baptism, receives the infilling of the Holy Ghost. This is a command. This is not just, oh, if you want to. This is a command. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. In other words, just take and figure on a map that just is steady, broadening out. And then he finally says, to the, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That is, wherever your feet takes you, to the one, you could have least told somebody that you run into, and least you didn't even tell nobody. You didn't even tell nobody about me dying on the cross, forgiving you, and then shedding my blood on the cross. I would have least got an investment on the, on the return that, uh, 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 that I made at Calvary, but you chose to remain silent. Nothing was made. I didn't receive nothing. You just held it all inside of you. You chose to keep it all within inside of you. So I, th- I therefore think that God was telling the one, if you take and you set on this, that is an unprofitable servant. God has given us His Spirit. He's given us His Spirit that we may witness, that we may tell, that we may be literally the mouth of the Lord, the hands of the Lord, the feet of the Lord, because I don't know. I really, I have thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. I don't know. I don't know where it will be or what it will be like once it actually dawns on us what it's like to be forgiven. I don't know if that's when we finally get to heaven and realize that there's no more. Because when you see somebody, I take that back, when you see anybody, because whether you're, whether you're forgiven of little or much, in our eyes, you're still forgiven. To realize 
Just like God said, you was faithful over a few things. You did this. I forgave you. And now in return, you have all of this of what it's like to be truly forgiven. Only God knows. He's given us the talents. What them talents is, only God knows and only we know. And if God anoints some individual, maybe they would know. I don't know. But I do know God has anointed each and every one of us with talents to further his kingdom. And he's given us the ability. And the hard sayings in this book are for a reason. And that is to strengthen us, to alarm us, to give us hope and to give us strength to keep marching on. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Let's pray. God, I love you, Jesus. I love and I thank you this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you most of all, God, for what it means. You are our hope. You are our strength, God. I thank you for the ability that you've given to each and every one, Lord God, for the furtherance of your kingdom, Lord God. Anoint us, drive us, Lord God. Strengthen us, Lord God, through the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do, for what you've already done. I praise you, God. Anoint us in the future, God. Anoint us now. The Lord, I pray. God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Grant it, holy God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. God this message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.